Hello, I'm here with Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Murray Boise-Barlin and overjoyed to be here with him. How are you, Moz? I'm pretty good. I, I'm back on deck with all of my services this week, back in person after a long COVID curtain descended. And so, you know, I'm very happy to be back in person um, and using various ways of communicating has worked really well. And um, I, uh, I'm, I'm very excited and uh, a little bit Oh, tentative as well uh, to talk about this this really complex subject, which I felt was handled really well because I was kind of expecting it to be solely about um, sexual uh, assault that um, yeah. as occurs, and I was pleased to see that whilst it encompassed that, it talked about staff responses and the responsibilities that have been placed upon them but also about the, the rights of individuals to have sexual and intimate relationships in residential aged care. And I'm just mm. wondering, as the you know my candidate for the Minister for Choice, I wondered how you felt about this, <laughs> this complex subject in the, in the chat with Dr Catherine Barrett. Yeah, I, I was listening and thinking about experiences and things, and I guess for me this whole issue of sexuality, intimacy and aged care really comes down to, um, and I'm not minimising, I'm going from a broader level, but it really comes down to consent, doesn't it? It really comes down to capacity. That's I think honest, so. That's all we're talking about, if, especially if you think that, you know, at least uh, the OECD says 70% of people living in, in long-term care institutions are living with some kind of cognitive disability and that we know at least 50% have an official diagnosis of dementia, if not, probably a lot more, Alzheimer's Australia say, Dementia Australia say. Um, so that's like 70% of the people who live there who are already, we already know because of the way, the, the, the harmful way capacity is interpreted and operates in residential aged care. So we're, while we're having this conversation, it's important to know that 70% of those people who won't be able to cuddle, kiss or be intimate without being stopped, uh, without it being written on their chart as a behaviour, the family being notified, that's kind of the harmful way the determination of capacity operates. And, um, yeah, I think that, that that is the first point of call and I... I I really think this idea that that we have to work with staff so they monitor their values and everything. I love Catherine's work and I love um, the joy, the joyous way she approaches her work. I just um, see staff faces there and uh, and think it's not really so much their own values and beliefs or even the ageism that, and I mean that in terms of their own thinking, you know, mm. staff are ages. It's the whole system in residential aged care. And it, honestly, Moz, it's really quite specific to residential aged care that it, that's really set up that when you move in, you're no longer kind of viewed as an individual, that that from now on every conversation, every decision, every every aspect of your life will, will be discussed with others present, mm. you know, with, you, with your family there. So they're not viewed with individuals as a, with a right to privacy in the same way that any of us, 
would um, would demand. And from from that point on, family are pretty much included in everything. You know, we have to involve family. I can I know people out there in aged care land will know that phrase. We have to let family know. We have yeah. to ask family to have. So it's little wonder that staff assume that most residents lack capacity because they're no longer viewed as people who can make decisions. And how does that align with human rights, well, privacy, self determination, dignity? It does. It doesn't align with it, and, you know. And like, so, so we're looking at capacity and consent, uh, and you know, Catherine talked about the rights to sexuality, and she she said that the sex is not the sum total, right? Like we, we've got intimacy, touch, sensuality, uh, mm-hmm. you know, expression of gender, and so there's a lot, a lot that that she brought to it. But just to follow from your point, the the idea that someone is not allowed to enact on their their feelings is is a challenge but you know at the same time how are we certain that people are um you you know and and predominantly this this appears to be women as Catherine pointed out Mm. how do we know that they're they're sitting in a sexual relationship comfortably how do we know that they're able to say no and uh, or, or to stop or this can't continue um how do we I mean, this this is a really complex, complex issue. You're talking about safety. Like, we, how do we keep these ensure these women are safe? Really, mm. isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, so so how do we keep the women safe in these environments? And we ha- that has to be front and foremost of our mind, as with any other woman. We're all at risk every day. I read the paper, and I think not there won't be another story of a woman raped or. Um, set alight, all these terrible, horrific murders of from ex, ex-partners and things. It, it's absolutely everywhere. It's a problem for all women. I just think um, older women have been left out of that concern, Yeah, this emerging concern, and, and really calling things for what they are. A lot of these things used to be seen as, even in the law, as private troubles, you know, especially if they happen within the family domain. The law doesn't go there. But now more and more it's like, no, it has to, you can't, you know, you can't allow this to happen in women, for, to women in any sphere. And it's almost like residential aged care became that, like, almost like the private sphere again, where, well, oh, you know, we, we won't call the police or, oh, it doesn't matter, they've got dementia. And that's oh, really, yes. that's, no, that happens all the time. And I, so I'm with you. I'm a thousand percent with you, Moz. And, and, Remember, I marched in the Women's March with a huge sign in the planet and it said, women with dementia in institutions, we believe you. And that's the other side of the coin that you're referring to. And I I, I had that sign because I've been witness to so many women with dementia not being believed. It being pathologised as a behaviour, as most of their other expressions and moods and opinions and behaviours are. You know, just on that, because this is not limited, though, just to, like if we take what you've just said, you know, mm. women generally, like if we look at what's been happening in politics with women recently, ha- they have not yeah. believed or uh, it has yeah, been, yeah. you know, minimised as, as the term that was used. And this is happening yeah, yeah. broadly in society, you know. So, I mean, it's a, it's a larger a larger issue, of course, and we hear not to 
talk about well to solve any any of the issues in society but, no, but I, you're spot on you're spot on and and so where do we where do we i mean obviously there is of course always there's the education of everyone and the education of men and looking at at at, at how this goes but in the interim we have what is it 50 sexual assaults per week that may be a conservative estimate this is, yeah and then and then there we've got the the convoluted reporting obligations, you know, in terms of reporting it. And the reporting could come down to whether somebody felt there was an impact or not. Well, I mean, I don't yeah, know I, that I, know. I am in a position to judge that. You know, I don't know how a person it, working in residential aged care is set up to deal or make those decisions. And also the viewpoint, and I hear this a lot about many things is that someone with dementia will forget and that that one isn't necessarily true and two I think that's irrelevant because yeah, you know there's this this article in in Hello Care that I I just read and I um, I'll share that with you but it talks mm -hmm. about we know that sexual assault impacts everyone whether you have cognitive impairment or not because it is such a primal fear when your personal safety is violated uh, Yumi Lee said Completely. that in the article. And so yep. I'm really curious about that angle is that people with cognitive impairment may not remember something, but they remember the feeling that they experienced, whether that's positive 100%. or negative. And 100%. so, you know, we really need to, to look at how we protect women in residential aged care. And two, we need to also to, I guess, as Catherine was pointing out, Find better ways to educate staff and how to move forward on this. It seems like, I, I don't know, there were some recommendations from the, the Royal Commission, were there not, about this? Yeah, and that you've just covered it all, all so well, Moz. I think the two points of this conversation are both as important as one another. Yes, safety is important, but so is liberty. Yeah. You know, we can't, we can't just have a sledgehammer like I, I really – feel is happening at the moment and it's probably what Catherine is really trying to address which is wonderful but this idea that um, just to, just to be safe from the regulators or what it will tell family we'll call it an mm. incident and I'm you know in a system where, where everything especially people who are deemed not have consent so let's put this back in perspective we're talking about 70 percent and I doubt very much whether the other 30 percent are treated any differently mm. it's going to be documented in a book Nine times out of ten, the family will be called. I mean, these people are monitored 24-7. They're monitored. Every action they do is, is monitored and judged and documented. I mean, who, who, who else has to live their life with that much scrutiny? You know, I, I think we need to keep people, women safe. I'm, a, I'm marched with real solidarity for that. But you're asking to sort of, to, to sort of work around the edges for a problem that is ultimately about personhood. People seen as actual decision makers, as having rights to, to make decisions. And from a human rights perspective, you cannot discriminate between people who express themselves with language, people who express themselves mm. in, in a whole range of ways, from a scream to pushing someone away to if a woman is engaged in any type of intimacy, she's smiling, she looks like she's enjoying it, 
as, a, as staff, I absolutely have a very severe responsibility and deep responsibility to check that that person isn't showing any signs whatsoever of not wanting to be involved, of, of feeling uncomfortable. And I think Catherine did say, um, you know, any indications that, that she's not comfortable. Well, you need to really monitor that for people who do have cognitive impairment, 100%. But you don't get to say because they can't fit in with some type of scheme for assessing whether they want to be doing that in that moment. Um, that they've no longer got a right to intimacy and that is what's happening. No intimacy at all. And and that's where we get people saying, oh, mum would have never done that. Well, mum is here right now and she's cuddling this person and and she's enjoying it and, and, and that's her decision. So I think it's messy. I think the system of RAC already strips people's personhood away by um, we're having a system where everyone has to be informed. I get there's the two sides, but we should be able to talk about both equally, safety and freedom. And freedom. So speaking about liberty, you know, I, I, I was thinking, and if you don't mind me sort of moving to this, Daniela, I was thinking of a, 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 a time some years ago when I was working at a service and a gentleman, I was informed that the gentleman was receiving um, professional sex services. And this was the first time I encountered this idea. Or, I mean, I hadn't thought of it. Um, I don't think I'd thought of it, but uh, it was deemed as a, an unmet need. He, he was found, you know, um, uh, masturbating his room and, and making uh, suggestive comments to staff. And they investigated uh, the possibility of, of sexual services. And his family were not part of his life anymore. And he was deemed as having capacity and uh you know deemed as having capacity he was allowed to make his choice but anyway they gladly set up a service for for him and i was really at first shocked that um that a service would allow that but i was also really proud to work at a service that considered that a response that was in, in, as we're talking about liberty and i know that this is largely frowned upon and i know some of the staff didn't approve of it um, you know, they spoke about it, um, and I was really quite surprised at the division um, at the facility. Anyway, there was there was no stopping of it. But I wondered if you had come across anything because I know there are services. Yeah, but that... it, these are all men's stories. Like, yeah, men, men. Well, call yes, them, exactly. And I was going to ask men calling prostitutes all the time. So, um, and and he has capacity. So, again, he'd be one of the th one of the twenty percent of people who. Um, I just think the real problem is now, especially now since the Royal Commission, people can't even kiss and cuddle. When I worked on the floor, we had got it to the point where we didn't even dob adult citizens in with severe dementia to their family members. We were like, uh-uh, she's, she's into that. Um, actually, she instigated it. It was a younger woman um, with who got dementia at an earlier age than is the norm and um we used to be the wingman as we're like no the daughter's coming Shh, okay okay quick <laughs> it was because we just happened to be in a situation where you do it's like being in a share house you, you see things you wouldn't see you know about other people's mm -hmm. lives don't you, you do. it's the same thing within aged care you know um and i think we've got access to a lot of information and and, and it's really deeply private 
keep people safe, mind your own business. Like when when I <laughs> when I mean I mean that um, in terms of if a woman is looking like she's um, engaged and enjoying it, that should be accepted as consent. But I'm not going to go absolutely. on about all of that stuff. I just think the no, story. No, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, talking about family because you know we we mentioned family too. I also remember a time not so long ago that mum had gone into residential aged care. Dad was in a different place and, and lived with uh, quite uh, advanced dementia and wasn't aware of family members that extended he was married, et cetera. But mum had gone to a different place and mum started a relationship with someone. And now I don't know the level of the relationship, but it was very clear that there was a lot of cuddling, holding hands, kissing. And you know what the family did? The family said, we would ask you not to you know, encourage them to sit together. We would ask you not to play romantic music or comment, but could you please not separate them if it appears that mum is sitting in a place where there's no distress because we it's none of our business, but, you know, it's difficult for us and we but we have to accept that that's what's happening. So I was I thought that was a beautiful... A beautiful response, a, a, a respected response, you know, addressing their own, you know, prejudices, mm. fears, not prejudices, but fears, yeah. you know, and, and, and difficulty, but allowing mum to be the person that she was and is and allowing her to express her, her sexuality and her desires and accepting that, that it was something that they weren't comfortable seeing but they weren't going to ask to stop it yeah. um, because, you know, you can't can't stop it you can't i've seen it many times many relationships forming and and beginning and then you know waning and 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 and, and staff talking about it and and also thinking about how staff talk about it i love that catherine talked about everyone being horrified about the gentleman masturbating in the shower every morning as if this would never happen you know people don't do that when they become older um, mm. And I just found that fascinating because there are so many intimate things that, as a care as a worker, you do uh, with with people. You know, it's a very intimate, and it's just a different side of the coin. Um, mind you, I'm not a, a care worker, so yes, I, I, I don't know how that feels. No, no, no. I think as a woman, that happening, you know, of course, um, female carers need to absolutely be protected from that. And I really like that, mm. Catherine. Um, uh, showed respect for that man and for the workers by the, by, by them yeah. just saying, "Hey, mate, you stop that. It's not okay, regardless of the level of dementia, regardless of whatever. Absolutely, that um, that staff don't feel like they have to go along with it. And 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 mm. Catherine's spot on with the with the with the lack of kind of policy and ar around that. Um, the staff might sort of just sort of put up with it or. Uh, you know, even put up with uh, someone touching them and stuff just because, but again, that's the other side of the coin of thinking that people aren't real persons, you know. It's like, well, he doesn't really mean it and so I shouldn't take it personally. It's like, yeah, no, you, you, you don't get to be touched by anyone. So I love that she brought in that kind of responsibility in terms of just, just exactly as you would in day-to-day -day life. So don't do that. And clear, and you know, she gave a really good strategy actually when she talked about clear messaging. She talked about, you know, different messages from different, and I've seen this too. You know, if there's, there's an inconsistency there, 
it makes it really difficult. Like if you've got someone laughing and off and going, oh, he always does that, and treating a mm. person, oh, look, don't do it. Oh, come on. And then someone that really, I mean, you know, especially someone that is, um, you know, very, very shy. And I don't, I don't mean um, shy as in sexually shy. I mean sh as shy person socially, you know, and don't feel empowered either yeah, to, to say something. The messaging needs to be really clear, and we, we, we know this generally. And so I thought that was a really, really good point mm -hmm. about staff delivering the same message, the leadership taking it on saying, right, what's our strategy? What's our messaging? Everybody do this, please. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was, yeah. that was wisdom, you know. I, no, I agree. I, I, I think that staff would um, carry on that way if it had been made clear to them from the beginning that they don't have to put up with certain things. I think... I think that's really important that staff know that they're supported. And I think that shows, if anything, that shows more respect for older people and, and that man in that situation than sort of, mm. well, it doesn't matter, he's not a person, you know. To and how difficult, how, how difficult to work in an environment for a woman that is, now I, now I know that one of my, my relatives that went into residential aged care, I know that he became what, we call a groper and he was such a gentleman as a as a man prior to living with dementia and and, and i know that the family were very upset at the way he behaved and and my father was really distraught but like you know imagine i'm trying to imagine how how you know trying to deal with someone like that as a woman and and having to having to address that must be i can't imagine how challenging it must be yeah. because you're there to protect and you're there to respect. It's, yeah, and it's that's confronting. a really tough gig. I, I think I yeah. think women um, women experience that in their day to day lives um, quite frequently. Anyway, maybe not the actual act of, although yeah, they do. Um, they, but, they do. But women experience lots of situations like that, and um, and it's it's a nightmare in any setting. A nightmare in any setting. That's that is such. A great line. I'm going to write that one down. I'm going to use it, and I'm, I will quote Daniela Greenwood, MP, Minister for <laughs> Aging, Social Services, Choice, Dignity. Respect. I'm just going to lay it out there. You, you're just going to be the Prime Minister. How's that? I'm happy to be one of your ministers. Oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm a supporter. I'm a supporter, not a fighter. I'm the little guy that says stuff and then runs behind all the big people. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, great talking to you, my friend. Really good. It's great talking to you. And um, we'll get the T-shirts made. They're still not back yet, but Daniela for MP. It's been so good talking to you. I had no idea where this conversation would go, but I'm really thrilled it's gone into some um, good places. So I'm going to see you next week, Miles. See you next week. Until then, arrivederci.